Hey, this is Derek Wooten. I'm lead pastor of Makers Church here in Cincinnati, Ohio, where our desire is to make disciples and make a difference. Thank you so much for joining us through our podcast. We pray this message speaks life and encouragement into you and what God is doing in your life. Hope you enjoy it. Amen. Thank you for your obedience and generosity to God's word. Church, I want to take a minute. I want us to pray together. Come on, stand to your feet all over the room. We're going to get into the word together. Man, I'm so honored. Our administrative bishop for our state, uh, uh, Bishop Ron Martin and his lovely wife, Rochelle, are here. Will you guys take a minute and honor them? We're so grateful they can come be with us today. Love you guys. I'm very thankful for, for this couple. They lead with such vision uh, of what God is doing in so many places. And I'm just honored that you guys came to worship with us today. Thank you for believing in us and being a part of what God is doing right here in Cincinnati. You know, they pastored in Cincinnati for how long? They pastored, they pastored in this city for 13 years. And so they have a heart for this city to be a part of what God is doing. But I'm just glad all of you are here. And if you're online today, we're so glad that you're worshiping with us. But God's got something to release today. And I've got, I've got some, some teaching tools that I'm going to be using. Yes, one of them is a sword, so if you go to sleep, get ready, okay? But, but I, I've got such a stirring to, to really teach today. And I believe there are going to be some things that you've heard, that you hear today that you've never heard before. Because I believe God is continuing to try to awaken his people to the reality of the season that we're walking in. Because there are so many things that God is desiring to do in the earth through his church that we can't just hear what God is saying, but after we hear it, we have to go and do it. We have to go and do it. And so I want us to pray today that the Lord would truly open up our spiritual ears. I'm talking a lot today about identity. How many of you guys need to know if we're ever gonna do what God has called us to do, we have to understand who we are in Him. And, and in reality, the greatest thing that's plagues the church is not a passion to do, it is a lack of understanding of who we really are. And so today, I want you to ask the Lord to open up your ears and receive the Word of God that is alive so we can continue to walk in the fullness of who He is. Amen. Can you pray with me right now? Father, we love you today. God, I thank you. God, for every single person that's here today, God, every person joining us online, thank you, that God, that, God, we get to be family, God, together. And Lord, I pray, Lord, over the next few minutes, God, that you would give us ears to hear, God, a heart to understand, God, that today we would not just be informed, but we would be transformed by the power of the, your word and the power of your spirit. And Lord, I pray, God, that, God, as we hear today, God, may it take root and may we go and do God, for the kingdom of God, that we may continue to make disciples and make a difference, God, everywhere that we go for you. Lord, we love you and we give you praise in advance. Come on, if you're ready and say in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, be seated, be seated, be seated. I'm so glad that you're here on this October Sunday. Man, how about those UC Bearcats? Man, they just keep doing it. Number three in the nation. Listen, I'm about to disown Clemson and start running with the Bearcats. Come on, somebody. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I love what Cincinnati is doing. I'm so thankful. But uh, I'm excited that we get to continue our series, Make Room. Look at your neighbor and say, scoot over. Come on, tell them. But for real, you need to scoot over. We're really full. Um, but, but we're in a series, Make Room. And we've been in it the last several weeks because we know that we're in a new season as the body of Christ in the earth. If you believe that, say Amen. We're in a new season. God is doing new things. God promised he would do new things. Even Jesus said in Revelation 21, 5, he said, Behold, I make all things new. Behold, I make all things new. And so God is doing new things in his people. He's doing new things in the earth, and he's really doing new things through his church. 
He's doing new things in and through his church. And I told you that as we stepped into this season as makers of church, the Lord said if we're truly going to walk out what he has called us to, we've got to make room. We've got to make room. God said, he said, you must make room in your life for everything that I desire to do in your life. And I told you, it reminds me of what God told and said in Isaiah 54, verses two through four, where he said this. He said, clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out, think big. Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs deep. He said, you're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You're gonna take over whole nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. And notice what he said. He said, do not be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. Listen, please hear me. If you feel like God is stirring up new and big things in your heart for the kingdom, don't you dare be afraid because if God put it there, God's going to bring it to pass. Don't you dare be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. And then he said, don't hold back. Now is not the season for you to give your halfway best. Now's the season you say, Lord, I'm going all in on every promise, God, on every desire you put in my heart. Why? He said, don't hold back because you are not going to come up short. If you receive that, somebody give the Lord praise. Come on, that's a word for you right now. Not just this church, but for your life. Now is the season to think big, believe big, move with big faith. Why? Because we serve a God who said in Ephesians 3.20, he does exceedingly, abundantly, above that we can ask or think. So if you've already thought it, God wants to do bigger. You guys were real quiet on that one. If, if, you've, already, if you've already thought about it, God says, I can do more. But you better make room. What, what good is it to, to, to think big and then do little? We got to make room. Somebody say make room. We got to be willing to make room for what God desires to do in and through our lives. And that word, God said, church, make room. Make room because God is pouring out new wine. God is pouring out new waves of his spirit. He's pouring out his power. He's pouring out his glory and his favor and his blessing and his goodness of God in the earth. I'm not sure what's happening. Is she okay? She's okay. Hey, stretch your hands this way. We're going to pray for our sister. I'm not sure what's happening. Father, God, whatever happened, Father, we just touch her in Jesus' name. God, we're not sure, but Lord, we thank you that you're our healer. And God, you are able. And so, Lord, we take, a, we take God authority over the power of the enemy and the spirit of infirmity. And we speak life and healing right now. God, we thank you, Lord, that she is not the tail, but she is the head. She is blessed and highly favored, and she is your daughter. So, God, every promise, God, of healing, may it flow into her body right now and strengthen her in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, church, if you believe that, somebody say amen. Amen, amen, amen. But we've got to be willing, church, to make room. We've got to be willing to make room for God wants to do in our lives. And so understand, in this season, if you want to fulfill everything that God is speaking, if you want to be a part of everything that God is doing, listen to me, then you've got to make room not for more of you but for more of him. And specifically, the Lord told me as we started this series, he said, Derek, there's three things that you've got to make room for. He said, you've got to make room for my presence. We can't do anything without the presence of God. And then he said, you've got to make room for my plans. Make, listen, not make room for your plans, but his plans. 
And we haven't gotten here yet, but he said, make room for my priorities. For too long, the church has tried to live out their own plans and priorities, and you know where it got us? It got us dead, dry religion that didn't do nothing for nobody. But when you make room for his presence and you make room for his plans and his priorities, then you step into the kingdom. And where religion takes people down, the kingdom will bring you up. The kingdom gives life. The kingdom will let you operate with the power of Jesus in and through your life every day that you live. If you believe that, say amen. And so he said, make room. And last week, we talked about making room not for our plans, but for the Lord's plans. And we discovered last week that if we desire to walk in the fullness of what God wants us to do, church, we've got to make room for his plans. How many of you guys remember God is the master planner? God is the master planner. We talked about how there are some people that are planners and some people that are not. I am not a planner, but my wife is a planner. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, if you're married to a planner, somebody shout amen. amen. Listen, if you if just said amen, that means you're the person that doesn't plan and you need them to make it every day. <laughs> but we found that God is the master planner. And listen to me. God has plans for all of us, not some of us. God has plans for all of us and for the entire world. Let me show you two scriptures as we keep building. Jeremiah 29, 11, He said, for I know the plans I have for you. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. That's what God said about you. But listen, how many of you guys know that doesn't apply to some of us? That applies to all of us. He, to give us a future and a hope. But then he said this, because God's plans are so big. Psalm 33, 11, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. So not just to us, but our sons and daughters that we're raising in Jesus' name. His plans apply to every generation. But for us to walk in those, we've got to make room for them. And last week we talked about how even though God's plans are so supernatural... But they're also very simple. God's plans are supernatural. They cannot be done without him. But they're also so simple. And I broke down specifically from Ephesians that God's plans for each of us are twofold and they're so simple. And they're on the screen. Are you ready? Number one, accept the invitation into God's kingdom. Number two, advance God's kingdom. That's God's plan for everybody. Now, do we do that different ways? Yeah, because God sends us into different places of the world. Some of you own a business, and you're advancing the kingdom through business. Some of you are in religion, and you advance that way. Some of you are in government or education or arts and entertainment or media. No matter where you are, your assignment is still to advance the kingdom of God. But the first part of that is very critical. Accept the invitation into God's kingdom. What does that mean? That means you accept salvation. You accept salvation. You accept sonship into the kingdom. And that's where the Lord, he literally, on Monday morning, and Monday morning I'm off and I don't talk to nobody and I don't do anything on Mondays, but the Lord started speaking to me on Monday about continuing what we talked about last week because this is so important. Because a lot of people really don't understand the fullness of the invitation that God is giving to them. They don't understand the fullness of the invitation that God is offering them to step into the kingdom of God. And so today I want to talk a lot about that invitation, what it means to be invited into the kingdom of God. And listen, if, if you, if you uh, want to read a little more about it, I don't have time to do it today. Ephesians chapter 3, 
Ephesians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 and 10 and 11, you can see that two-part plan literally being unfolded right there, accepting the invitation and advancing God's kingdom. But I want to talk today about what it, w- w- accepting the invitation of God's kingdom because, listen to me, accepting that invitation is what brings your true identity into the kingdom. Accepting that invitation is what brings your true identity into the kingdom of God. How many of you guys know that we have a God-given identity? It seems a lot easier to tell people that you have a God-given purpose. But when we get here, some people are like, I don't know. No, listen to me. If you believe you have a God-given purpose, understand it starts with your God-given identity. It starts with your God-given identity. And listen to me, church. Identity is so critical to what God wants to do in and through your life because you will never fulfill God's plans and live out your purpose if you do not understand your kingdom identity. How many of you guys know that the world operates this way? The world says your identity flows out of your purpose. That's what the world says. What you do defines who you are. That's what the world says. But in the kingdom, he says who you are defines what you do. Who you are defines what you do. And so if you really are serious about making room for the plans of God and fulfilling the purpose that God has called you to while you're on the earth, it starts with you truly understanding who you are in the kingdom. It really starts with you understanding who you are in the kingdom. Look to your neighbor and say, who are you? Come on, ask them. Who are you? And if, listen, if that was your spouse, tell them, baby, I know who you are. Don't do it. Don't mess it up. But I need you to hear this today as we get into this, talking about the truth of identity. Understanding and receiving your identity is only life-changing if you believe it. How many of you guys know none of this that we're doing right now, none of it does anything if you don't believe it? You got to have faith. Listen, you can't get saved by faith and then try to live by facts the rest of your life. You gotta believe it. Uh, listen, listen, in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, the Bible says, and this word continues to work in you who believe. Continues to work to you who believe. So listen, it's not real just because you read it. It's not real just because you hear it. It only becomes real when you believe what God has said about you. Because when you believe it, then you really receive it, and then you walk in it because you really believe it in your heart. So if you want it to work, you need to make sure you believe. So here's where we're going. We're talking about kingdom identity today. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. And here's what the text says. It says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Well, that's plain, isn't it? Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. That's very simple, but it's very powerful. And to be honest with you, it's very convicting for a lot of people. Because a lot of people say they live in God, but honey, their life don't look like Jesus. It doesn't look anything like Jesus. But notice what the text said. This is no longer, I'm not speaking an opinion. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So hear me very clearly. That means there is no room 
for the customs and culture of the world in your life. There's no room for unforgiveness. There's no room for bitterness. There's no room for pride or greed or lust. There's no room for the things of the world. Why? Because Jesus came to save the world. And if we're going to live our lives like Jesus did, we need to understand the only thing we can make room for is the kingdom. The only thing we can make room for is the kingdom. To live our lives as Jesus did. And so to live as Jesus did means this. Not only do you do what he did, but you live like he lived. You understand, just like he understood who he was, we understand who we are in him. You see, Jesus not only understood what he was supposed to do, but he understood who he was as well. Now, I'm saying was. How many of you guys know Jesus not, is not was, he still is? But I'm just talking about his life on the earth. So, so I'm saying was. If you don't like it, we can hug it out after church. But for us to recognize and understand that, we have to understand who he was. And so let me tell you, as we're talking about identity, we can see from the life of Jesus that our kingdom identity is multifaceted. How many of you guys have ever had a diamond? I, I, I bought some for my wife, and it was a great investment because it made her happy, and I'd do anything to make her happy. Look, she said yes to me, and I had a real bad haircut. Come on, church. She was like Jesus. She saw the potential and she still said yes. <laughs> but if you've ever looked at a diamond, you can turn a diamond a different way and it looks different. You, you see something in a different light than you saw it before. And listen to me, your identity in the kingdom is multifaceted like a diamond. Your identity in the kingdom is multifaceted and we can see from Jesus' life because I'm going to show you this morning that our kingdom identity is made up of three parts. Our kingdom identity is made up of three parts. And I think that's really cool because how many of you guys know we serve a triune God? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And then, and then even further, then I remember we are triune beings. We are body, soul, and spirit. And see, then I remember Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 12 where it says a threefold cord is not easily broken. There's something about the thing in threes like that that God has designed that are powerful. But, but as it pertains to this, think about this for a minute. Our, our identity in the kingdom is, is, is in three parts. If Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 12 is true, that a, a threefold cord is not easily broken, can I tell you there's a reason that so many people break down instead of breaking through? It's because they're not walking in the fullness of their identity. So if you're only trying to walk in one facet or two facets, that means you've left an open door for the enemy to come and knock you down. Can we get real? Come on, we're not perfect. And if you are, you're better than me. But understand something. Our kingdom identity is made up of three parts. And today I want us to see them and talk about them because I believe this. I believe when we're walking and operating in all three of those parts, that is when we can truly fulfill every assignment that God has birthed into our hearts for this season. That's when we truly can operate and do those things. So our identity is made up of three parts, and Jesus modeled them in the same way. See, let me tell you, when you accept the invitation into the kingdom of God, when you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, you immediately are invited in an identity for three things. Are you ready? You are invited to be a son. Some might say a son. You say, well, pastor, I'm a woman. Well, Ephesians 5 
I've said this before, says that we are the bride of Christ. So if I can be a bride, you can be a son. So let's go ahead and get that out of the way now. So if I keep saying sonship, no, daughters, no, 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 we understand you're a son or a daughter. But the parts of our identity that Jesus shows us, I'm about to show you from the word. When you step into the kingdom, you immediately become a son, you become a servant, and you become a soldier. You become a son, you become a servant, and you become a soldier. Now, are you ready for Bible so I can prove it to you? Thank you so much. Here we go. Jesus walked this out. He walked this out in his life. Jesus was a son. Jesus was the son. Matthew 3, 17, right after he got baptized, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus was a son. Now let's go further because Jesus wasn't just a son because his identity was made up of three parts. He was also a servant. Are you ready? He was a servant. Mark 10, 45. This is Jesus speaking, talking about himself. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to what? But to serve. Jesus was a servant. He was a son. He was a servant. But did you also know that Jesus was a soldier? You want me to show you? Okay, here we go. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. This is what Jesus said. He said, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. He said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Listen, he wouldn't need a sword if he wasn't a soldier. Now, understand something about Jesus. He's not no private. He's a general. But he still came to the earth as a soldier. And so see this, you just saw from the word of God, and I could give you more, but those three specific examples, his identity on the earth. How many of you guys know he also became a savior? Come on, somebody. But that's, that's his role, not ours. But his identity, you see, it's in three parts. A son, a servant, and a soldier. And listen, he operated in these things on a consistent basis. He found that there was, this, there, there, there was this harmonious connection that all three of them should have, almost like music. How many of you guys like music? I love, man, I love music. But it was, it was just so harmonious how he would find the rhythm of navigating through all three of these parts together. Why? Because that was the fullness of his identity. And the Bible just said in 1 John 2, 6, if your life is in God, you should live your life like Jesus did. So, so let me ask you a question. If Jesus was a son, are we sons in the kingdom? And daughters, come on. I know somebody was thinking, not me, I'm a daughter. Okay. So Jesus was a son. Let me ask this question. Was Jesus a servant? You can audibly. Somebody shout yes. Let's see, they even heard you on live stream when you did that one. Good for you. And then was Jesus a soldier? So if Jesus was all three of those things, should we be all three of those things? But the truth is, most of us don't even understand how to be all three of those things. And we've never heard it. Listen, I grew up in a day and age in the church where all we ever talked about was being a servant. I didn't understand I was royalty in the kingdom. And I certainly didn't understand that I was a soldier because we were like, nah, man, listen, the, the pinnacle of your Christian experience is after you get saved, you serve in the church as much as you possibly can. And you know what happened? All we did is all we did is we started serving in the church while the world was going to hell. And we excused ourselves from any responsibility to shine the light of Jesus in the world in which we live. And we sure did not take out our sword and destroy the kingdom of darkness with the kingdom of light. 
And so please hear me today, and I'm going to be careful. I don't want to cut my hand because that blood is going to be real. Be careful. <laughs> in fact, I may have to get somebody to help me in a minute. But understand something. To walk in the fullness of what God has called you to in this new season, you're going to have to understand the rhythm of being a son, being a servant, and being a soldier. If you believe that, somebody say amen. Okay, let's keep going. I got, I got more time. Let's keep going. So we see that, that Jesus, those were the three parts of his identity. And now to each of us, we need to recognize this, church. When you accept the invitation into the kingdom, you receive a multifaceted identity made up of three parts. Son, servant, and soldier. So catch this. You were made worthy by Jesus. That's what makes you a son. How many of you guys know it wasn't by works that you were saved, but by faith in Jesus? Listen, it's the blood of Jesus that bought your redemption. Listen, please hear me. I don't know if you're a new guest here today or not, but please go to a church that preaches on the blood. If they never talk about the blood, get out of there. Because we need the blood every day. But throw that, throw, I think I've, I got that slide, throw that up. You were made worthy by Jesus. That's what made you a son. You were made to work with Jesus. You're a servant. And you were made to war for Jesus. You're a soldier. Understand. See, see breathe this in today. So many people have never heard this broken down this way. And it's not, my, it's not my wisdom. It's the revelation of Holy Spirit. But see it. You were made worthy by Jesus. That's what makes you a son. You were made to work with Jesus. How many of you guys know Jesus isn't looking for co-stars? But he is looking for co-laborers. You were made to war for Jesus. You are a soldier. So let's break down the first one. When you accept an invitation, when you receive salvation, you immediately become a son in the kingdom. Let me show you Romans 8, chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. For as many are as led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive this spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If you're thankful for that, somebody say amen. Man, isn't that powerful to know that when you accepted Jesus, you stopped being a slave and you became a son. You no longer had to be an orphan that was abandoned and rejected because Jesus said, I chose you before you chose me. And I'm no longer calling you a slave or an orphan, but you're a son or a daughter of the Most High. You're blessed and highly favored and you walk with power and authority that comes from heaven. If you're thankful that you're a son, somebody give the Lord praise in the house. Hallelujah. But you're a son. See, when you receive salvation, you do what Romans 10, 9 and 10 says. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's so simple. It's so simple. But look at verse 10. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So when you do that, it's so simple. When you pray that prayer, what happens? You become a son. You become a son in the kingdom. And so what does 1 John 3, 1 say? It says this. See how very much our Father loves us. 
for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. Man, I'm so thankful for sonship. I'm so thankful for sonship. I grew up in a pastor's home. My dad and mom were pastors for 30 plus years. And I grew up knowing that I was a pastor's son. But I didn't understand I was the king's son until I was 19 years old. Man, it changed everything for me. And I know there are so many people that love Jesus, but you've never been told that you were a son. And so many adults, they walk around with that orphan spirit because they've been rejected by so many folks. They've been told they weren't good enough or they weren't worthy. But listen to me this morning. Jesus has made you worthy. He called you his beloved. And you've got to understand something. God is not just Jesus' father. He is your Abba Father. He's your Abba Father. So what does that mean? That means when God looks at you, he doesn't label you. He loves you. Come on, he's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. Listen, he's not chastising you, but he cherishes you. That's the kind of intimate relationship that you are invited into when you step into the kingdom. Man, if you're thankful to be a son, somebody say amen. Amen. The first part of our identity, please, listen, these other two don't do anything if you don't understand that you're royalty. You say, Pastor, why do you have a crown? Because the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, that we are a royal priesthood. When you say yes to Jesus, you've got royal blood flowing through your veins. Come on, somebody. But listen, let me go further because let me tell you, when you say yes to Jesus, you also say yes to being a citizen in the kingdom. And Psalm 103 says this. It says, I never forget the good things that God does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death. Look, and he crowns me with love and tender mercies. Listen, you've been crowned as a son or a daughter in the kingdom. If you're thankful, say amen. Amen. But listen to me. If we're making room, you've got to make room for sonship. Listen, stop believing the lies of the enemy that you're not good enough. Stop walking around saying, well, if I can just do more, God will finally accept me. He has already died for you. Romans 5, 8, while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. You're a son in the kingdom of God. And listen to me, are you ready? Everything the Father has is yours. Everything the Father has is yours. Stop trying to work for it. Just receive it. Receive the goodness of God. Receive the love and the grace and the mercy. Pastor, I cannot forgive myself. If God can forgive you, you can forgive you. You're a son or a daughter in the kingdom, and it's beautiful. But we're just getting started. Because the reality is when you accept the invitation, not only do you accept sonship, but then you also become a servant. What does that mean? It means you were made to work with Jesus. You were made to work with Jesus. Now, I got some more Bible because this one's important. Being a servant. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, here's what it says. It says, for by grace you have been saved through works. 
Nope. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship. Listen to this now. Created in Christ Jesus for what? Okay, so you're created for good works, but you're not supposed to work. No. You were created for good works. Listen. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Meaning that if you were created for good works, then you should be doing good works. Well, if you're doing good works for the kingdom, that makes you a servant. Because you're not just serving the Lord, you're serving the kingdom of God. And let me answer a question because some people can get bitter when they serve. Some people forget who they're really serving. Do you know Colossians 3.23 says everything you do, you're not doing unto men, but you're doing it unto the Lord. And so listen, I don't care if you're cleaning toilets in the church, you're making a difference in the kingdom. If you're taking out the trash or you're teaching our kids or you're speaking in here or you're running the screen for media, whatever it is, you're not doing it unto people, honey. You're doing it unto the Lord. Because you, listen, you don't have to serve, you get to serve. You get to serve in the kingdom. It is an honor and a privilege to be a servant in the kingdom. Pastor, is it really a privilege to be a servant? Absolutely. I'd rather be a servant in the kingdom than a slave to sin. So I'm thankful that I can be a servant. But listen, I got, I got to go deeper. Chill out. I got to go deeper. Romans 7, 6. But now we have been released from the law, for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God. Not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, but I'm going to go further. Galatians 5.13. For you have been called to live in what? Freedom. Somebody shout Freedom. You have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your sinful nature. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Notice what the text says. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Amen. You do not use your freedom for any other reason but to serve other because remember, when you're serving people, you're really serving the Lord. We were made to be servants. Somebody say, I'm a servant. I'm a servant. But let me go further. Let me go further. Here, John, 20, John chapter 12, verse 26. Jesus said this. He said, anyone who wants to serve me must follow me. Because my servants must be where I am. And the Father, no, see this. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. How many of you guys want the honor of God on your life? Then serve. Serve. Serve the kingdom. Listen to me. How many of you guys know we should serve in the local church? Oh, not as many amens on that one. You should serve in the local church. Now, 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 let me explain. Everybody has a different capacity of time to serve within the church. I understand that. But there should not be a time where you're like, no, I'm not serving at all. 
hold up for a minute. If Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve, and we're supposed to live our lives like Jesus, then it's not an obligation to serve. It's an opportunity to serve and to give of ourselves because every time we serve, we're not just serving people, we're really serving unto the Lord. And Jesus said, when you serve, my Father honors you. So listen to me. Keep serving. In a world that's so selfish and cynical, you keep serving. You keep serving. Don't you dare let yourself think for a minute that serving isn't important to God. You keep serving. Why? Because it's not just something you do. Serving has got to be who you are. Make room in your heart to be a servant. So Jesus was a son. Jesus was a servant. We have been accepted into the kingdom, and we are sons, and we are servants. And the last one, church, you become a soldier. You were made to war for Jesus. Did you know there's, there's scriptures that talk about us being soldiers? Let me show you 2 Timothy. Hold on, let me get the sword while I'm saying these scriptures. I'm going to get more chest hair when I hold the sword. Hang on. Somebody throw me a piece of fruit. I'm ready right now. Please don't. I just see so many problems. We don't want to knock nobody out in the front row. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. He said, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier. How many of you guys know sometimes life is hard? And sometimes even in the kingdom, things can get tough. But listen, how many of you guys, when you're a true soldier, you don't get moved off your mission? Oh, I'm going to go deep now. When you're a true soldier... When things don't go your way, you're still not moved off what you've been assigned to do because you're a soldier. And you don't take your orders from yourself. You take your orders from your general. And our general rides on a white horse. And his name is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he's undefeated. But he said this. He said, therefore, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of who? Of Jesus. Not of your own kingdom, but of King Jesus. See this for a minute. Now I go a little further. I, I think we've got verse, do we have verse 4 too? No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Look, it says he who enlisted him. You didn't enlist yourself. He enlisted you when you said yes to the kingdom. You're a soldier. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm a soldier. We got a bunch of G.I. Joes running around here. Come on. <laughs> You're a soldier in the kingdom. But let me go further. How many of you guys know about Ephesians 6? Ephesians 6, chapter, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Throw it on the screen. Ephesians 6, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Does it say be weak in the Lord? How many of you guys know there should be no such thing as a defeated Christian? If you're a soldier and strong in the Lord, honey, you're, you are kicking tail and taking names. Because you're in the Lord's army. But you see this. He said, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor. Stop right there. Why in the world would you put on armor if you're not a soldier? 
It didn't say put on football pads. I've done that. Those don't protect very well. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Now, here's where it's deep. And yes, I'm pointing a sword at you right now. Hey, if we're on camera, zoom in. They'll get that 3D effect. You know what I mean? I'm just kidding. Don't do that, guys. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Listen, this sword is not for people. The light just came on, literally, and for some people in their mind right now. This light, this light is for not for people that voted differently than you did in the presidential election. This, light, th th this sword is not for people who got vaccinated and you haven't. This sword is not for people that disagree with you on social media. Oh, you're quiet, but you know it's true. This sword is not for people. Go back to the text. Go back. Against all strategies, keep going. No, go, to, go to verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Please hear me this morning. You are supposed to be aggressive, uh, listen, aggressively anointed, but not to hurt people, but to destroy the enemy. Uh, and the New King James Version said there are principalities and powers and rulers and hosts. Those are the very things that attack you to keep you from walking in the fullness of God in your life. So you have a sword to not go after people, but to go after the demonic spirits that operate in the earth. To go after the things that try to stop and slow down your progress of who God has called you to be in the kingdom. But listen to me, that does not mean that you just put on your armor and you stand there. He gave you a sword for a reason. Honey, you have got to fight. What are you, pastor, okay, so we're not supposed to fight people, we're supposed to fight. How do we fight? Listen, we, we fight with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We fight with our prayer. We fight with our praise. We fight with the name of Jesus, with the blood of Jesus. We fight, and listen, can I go ahead and just encourage you for a minute? If you ever find yourself in a battle, don't you walk in afraid, but you need to have a Holy Ghost swagger because you are more than a conqueror through Jesus. Jesus who loves you. You're a soldier in an undefeated army. But you still got to fight. People have stopped fighting for their kids. We've stopped fighting for our marriages. We've stopped fighting for our families. We fight more about, we fight more about technology than we do people. Fight for the things that God values. If Jesus died for it, you should fight for it. And listen, he died for everybody. Then fight. Listen, you don't fight hate with hate. Come on. You fight hate with love. 
You don't fight division with division. You fight division with unity. You don't, you, listen, uh, uh, the things that we see in the world, that's why we have the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Listen, we go destroy the things of the enemy and we put those things there instead. That's how we fight. So listen to me. This sword is not supposed to be dangerous for anybody except the enemy. But you're a soldier, and you're a soldier who will never lose a battle. As, listen, as long as you keep fighting in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe that, somebody say amen. Pastor Brad, I'm going to keep this sword, sir. I'm going to have some fun with this after church. <laughs> some of the people are like, Pastor Derek, I'm like, yeah, I know, just relax, just relax. But let me get, let me get real, 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 real for a minute. Let me tell you why this is so important. Everything you're hearing today, because the truth is, is this is the fullness of your identity. This is the fullness of the kingdom identity that God has given each of us. And my concern, my concern as a kingdom leader in the earth right now is that there are so many people that are only walking around in some of these realities. Some people understand they're a son, but don't you ask them to serve. Some people understand that they're a servant but they've forgotten that they're a son first. And some people, all they want to do is fight. And they don't want to do nothing else. Say, Pastor, is that dangerous? Oh, it's dangerous. But, but in all sincerity, let me tell you why this is dangerous. If you're not understanding how to operate in all three of these facets on a consistent basis in your own heart and life, let me tell you the danger. If you only ever operate as a son, you become entitled. And no longer is it about you being a contributor, it's about you being a consumer. What can God do for me? What can the church do for me? Listen, if you can't do nothing for me, I don't need you. Because I'm a son, I wear a crown. Can I remind you in the room, when you get to heaven, you're gonna put all your crowns at the feet of Jesus. You don't get to keep it. But if you only ever operate as a son, you get entitled. Now, let me go further. If you only ever operate as a servant, you get weary. Come on now. You get wore out. Because the truth is, if you don't have time with Jesus, and, but you, you, you never have time with the king, but you, you keep doing everything for the kingdom, you eventually are going to give out and burn out and break down. So listen, you've got to serve. But listen, have intimacy with the king before you can do something for the kingdom. It matters. You see the rhythm. You can't just be a son because you're going to live entitled. You can't just be a servant because you're going to get weary. And you can't just be a soldier because if all you ever do is fight, you're going to get hard in your heart. Come on now. 
If all you ever do is fight, you're going to get hard in your heart and you're going to stop having compassion and love and generosity and patience and kindness. So it's not just enough to understand you're one. You've got to operate in all three on a consistent basis. So that means there's going to be beautiful seasons where sonship is the priority. And man, you're going to have encounters and intimacy with God. But there are other seasons that you might you might pick up your towel and you might be serving and giving. Why? Because you're not just a son, but you're also a servant. And then there are other times you know that sons and servants don't cut it. Now I got to be a soldier and I got to fight in the spirit for what's happening in the earth. I've got to get into the prayer closet and declare the word and speak with authority and boldness. Why? Because I'm not just a son, I'm not just a servant, but I'm also a soldier in the kingdom of God. This is our identity. It's not just mine, it's yours. And if you're gonna make room for everything that God is calling you to in this new season, you've gotta make room to be a son. And you've gotta make room to be a servant. And you've gotta make room to be a soldier. 